You are listening to John Herika on SFM. Let's talk to adventurer Alex Harris joins us now. Alex, good chatting to you. Thanks for joining us. Absolute pleasure. How's it going? You know, I'm just having a look here. How old are you now? 49 years old. Yeah, look, straight slower. Eh? You know, 49-year-old should be on the couch watching TV, moaning at a rugby player or two. Not Alex Harris. <laughs> Yeah, I, look, it's, you know, it's done, eh? Uh, I mean, I think I'm hanging up my shoes now. I mean, I, I get it, I get it. Finally. <laughs> Do you think Alex Harris will ever hang up his shoes or his climbing boots or whatever you've got? <laughs> no, I will. I think the seasons change and energy shifts based on, you know, principal decisions you make. We've got a new baby in the house. You know, the, the family's growing. So the timeline is working against me, and, I, mm. and I'm starting to accept it, eh? Okay, let's talk about this race across South Africa. Didn't hear about it. What was it? Let's start at the beginning. Well, it's an unsupported mountain bike race that goes from Peter Maritzburg across the high mountains in Drakensburg, ending in Wellington. Kind of follows all the old foot trek of trails and sort of dusty roads that are no longer in use mm. um, in the middle of nowhere, pretty much. Uh, so that's, and you're not allowed any GPS. <laughs> you, you've got to use maps and kind of conventional navigation and narratives and stuff like that, you know, <clears throat> in a nutshell. And 2,150 kilometers. Yes. Is there... In some ways. Did you measure the climbing? And so obviously through mountains, you're not, you, it's not flat. Yeah, it's about 30,000 meters of ascent. So you climb a, a lot. And obviously, if you do it quicker, you climb more every day. You know, the cutoff was 26 days, but... If you're racing it, you're really looking at around sort of the two-week and 12-day and foster mark. Right. Uh, but, and then you're doing about three, four, five thousand 5,000 um, meters of ascent a day. So it's a lot of climbing, yeah? Right. Just put that in perspective. The Cape Town Cycle Tour is, what, 1,500 meters, maybe 1,200 meters of climbing. Really? Yeah. So One hill. Yeah. Oh, yeah well, there's three hills, but <laughs> they, they're more bumps compared to what you guys do. Okay. Why did you, why did you do this, Alex? What was the plan? Well, look, I first did the race, in, I mean, I've done, I've started the race six times and I've finished it four times. Uh, my first race was back in 2010. And, you know, it's a, it's a highly compelling self-discovery when you realize something requires an unusual set of skills to do well and you happen to possess those set of skills for whatever reason. And I think if anyone encounters that kind of scenario in, in any walk of life, in any passion, then it becomes compelling because then you, you fold this idea of, well, what's possible? If I've got the skills to do this, how well can I do? Yeah, I mean, I could tell you that the, the scenery is great and it's remote and the farm is a friendly, but you know when you're racing, you, you largely head down and, and uh, you're impervious to a lot of that stuff. So... It's really chasing this idea of uh, this kind of construct you have of, of what your potential is and whether you think this is something that you might do really, really well. In. And I think to ignore that is um, it's a shame. I think mm. we really get that opportunity. Maybe once a handful of times in our lifetime, we, we get a sense that this is something I could do really, really well. So, so why would you ignore that that feeling? You know, look, admittedly, this particular. Uh, set of skills is going to take me down a place that's going to get very dark and very uncomfortable very quickly, but that's the nature of the game, mate. You're a mountain climber. When did mountain biking start attracting you? 
Well, I've always, I mean, how do you think you get fit uh, for mountain climbing? You Look, walk up hills. You know, there's no mountain, you know, there's hills, but I mean, hills ain't going to prepare you enough <laughs> for Everest and stuff like that, so... No, look, I mean, I've always spent time on my bike. Uh, I used to race competitively adventure racing many years ago, and obviously mountain biking is an aspect of that. Mm. But it's also, you know, when, you, when you're biking recreation, it's, it's a chance to get out. What kid jumps on their bike for the first time realizes there's a whole new world out there and isn't excited by that prospect. And, and that feeling never goes. The further you get, the further you get from home, the more accessible this wide world becomes. So biking for me has always been a way, one, to get fit, and also just to get out and vent, you know, the desire to, to explore uh, when I'm not on an expedition, when I'm close to the home. Mm. So it served well over the years as, as sort of a dual purpose. Okay, so 2,150 kilometers unsupported. What does that mean? Well, it means you can't have anyone show up and meet you on the line with uh, along the route somewhere with stuff. Yeah. You're completely reliant on the provision that the race provides, and they do provide a lot. They provide 19 support stations, which are random farms in the middle of nowhere. And at that farm, you can expect a meal. If you want to sleep, you can sleep. If you want to shower, you can shower. Mm. Uh, you can send an ice cream box, a two-liter <laughs> ice cream box, to each of those farms with whatever provisions you need. Yeah. But that's the sum total of what you're allowed, plus whatever you can carry from the start. So it's an unusual format. Uh, You know, it does require a high level of self-sufficiency. And as I say, navigation is key. So, you know, you want to be able to make sure that you you can at least sail north and south. Otherwise, you're in all kinds of trouble. Can you? Are Are there days when clouds come over or all the mountains start looking like the same thing? Yes, it has nothing to do with the physical cloud and everything to do with the foggy muck that your brain becomes when yes. you sleep deprived. That was going to be my next thing, yes. You know, I mean, you're racing, so this now my race now, I slept, I probably slept a total of about 20 hours over the 10 days. And so the cumulative effect of that is just a buildup of toxin in your brain. The chemicals become really imbalanced. You hallucinate, and that's pretty predictable and, and uh, well-known, you know, just the, the, the crazy hallucinations people have. But uh, what's, what's less well-known is just how your cognitive ability is, is significantly impaired. And so you, you can be so drained that you can stand. And, I mean, there have been times when I've genuinely not known my left from my right. Hmm. There have been times when I've stopped on the side of the road in the middle of the night for a power nap, which is a quick 10, 15-minute power nap. You wake up and you can no longer recall which way you're supposed to go and you can't remember whether you've changed the direction your bike was facing. Mm, mm. And so, you know, you learn tricks how to compensate for all of this and, and processes that, that put you in good stead, but it's still, it's a hellishly unnerving thing. I mean, now this last race, when I got onto the Toys Curve Pass, the old six-kilometer tar road that goes to the top before you drop down uh, to Dimmersfontein in Wellington, mm, mm. It was about three in the morning, and, you know, the street was lined with people. Obviously, in my mind, there wasn't a single soul out there. And every five minutes, I climbed off my bike, and I thought, okay, well, that's the end of this training ride. I've got to go home now. And I climbed off my bike, and someone would say to me, but listen, you fool, you're in a race. You've got to get back (laughs) on your bike and and ride. They get back on my bike, and two minutes later, I climbed off my bike again. And this went on for about an hour and a half to do six stupid kilometers. I mean, it was just crazy. (laughs) 
uh, uh, yeah, uh, you've got experience with having done these insane adventures. Do you fall back onto a place? Like, w- was there a thing like, all right, let's just do something to make me come back into real life? Yeah, look, 100%. I mean, you know, a lifetime of obviously having a business that takes people up mountains and, and every so often personally pushing sort of the envelope. Mm. Um, you know, having a faith and a worldview as a Christian in the sense that there's a greater plan for my life and something bigger out there. You know, these are kind of cornerstone handrails, if you will, that you, you lean on and you, you kind of take it one step at a time. I mean, this last, now this race I got into Statane's Cliff, which is a very remote cliff on the back of the Toys Cliff, and it's not something you want to do in the dark. I ran out of lights just before the final exit to climb up the toys cliff and in the darkness what should have taken me 20 minutes in the light now i knew it was going to take about five five hours in the dark because wow. there's these protest thickets and you know i was so tired that I, I had to sit down for about 20 minutes and formulate a plan and my plan was simple i'm going to just stomp a tunnel through the <laughs> protea forest to the river which can can be no more than 100 meters away cross the river and take a beeline and right. the problem with that is that you know, one or two stomps and I'm exhausted. I have to sit down for two, three minutes, get up again. Every few minutes I'd lose my bike. I'd forget the processes to remember where I left my bike. So that's why it takes five hours, you know. But I knew that without a plan, I'm going to sit there for the whole night till mm. sunrise. Mm. And so you're falling back on kind of an instinct, but the instinct has been ingrained over years and years of being in similar tough situations where you've, You've chosen not to take the easy way out and you've forged a path and you've realized, one, your potential. And really, that there isn't a limit. You just need to back off, slow it down, and stretch the timeline. And, and that's what I had to do that final night. You know, as crazy as it sounds, but you, you kind of go back to basics. You broke the record. Originally, 10 days, 6 hours. You did it in 9 days and 22 hours. So quite a margin there. And Martin Dreyer, of all people. Is that something you set out to do? Did you say, oh, I want to try and break, break Martin Dreyer's record? No, I was never, uh, you know, I was never chasing a personal record per, per se. Remember I, in the beginning I spoke about this, this idea of potential, this construct, this glimpse we have. And right from that very first year, I, I thought that a sub-10 day was possible. And I thought that I might have the skill set to do it. I knew that I'd need an almost perfect race to get it. And so that, for me, was always the goal. Uh, I mean, I knew if I get that right, I'm going to probably win the race and break the record. Mm. But it, it was never, you know, the, these those things in themselves are not compelling enough to get you through those those really dark times. The, the, the most compelling image we can have is, is our potential, this, this glimpse we have of, of ourselves that we think has in our capacity to pull this off. And, and that, for me, was always, you know, the, the, the kind of holy grail that I believed it could be done, and I believed that I might have the skill set to do it. And I knew, mm. look, I, I mean, I had a perfect race. Other than the last five hours in Statane's Cliff, um, <laughs> you know, it went as good as I... And, and, and I think you get a handful of times, maybe once in your career, when you get when the, the stuff comes together like that, you know? And uh, and thankfully it did. Finally, on the sixth, you know, the sixth attempt, it uh, it all came together. You, you mentioned your faith. You mentioned a couple of other things. What drives Alex Harris to do these insane things? Then, if 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 breaking records, isn't it? So you know, apart from 
the personal kind of chase of what I think my potential is. I also believe that it's one of sort of my abilities that God's given me is to help break barriers in other people. You know, that my kind of calling in life, my business, the things we do is to help other people realize their potential. And so they, they're kind of two parallel streams that, that flow into each other and out now and again. You know, so it's not just me on this thing. There's a greater kind of picture, and, and the greater picture is that, uh, you know, God's given me this ability, and he's also given me the ability to come back and articulate some of those experiences and some of those lessons and some of the learnings and the insights that allow other people in their own walk to figure out their potential and stretch their limits. And so I genuinely believe that's kind of my my sort of purpose on this on this planet, you know, is to is to, to break down barriers for other people and help them just help them articulate their own their own pathway to success and, and one show them this picture, you know, wh- one thing I see always in people is, is potential. But then help them see that themselves and, and then provide them a roadmap. And some of the stuff we do in business, our business does that anyway, you know, mm-hmm. like we give people a roadmap to you know, to get to their their sort of their potential. And it doesn't necessarily need to be in the sports or the physical arena. But I think the challenges are the same, you know, the challenges uh, revolve around belief and and how easy it is to lose our self-belief, you know, how quickly it, it is to be dissuaded by other people and convinced that, well, maybe that's not for us, maybe we don't have the capacity. You know, so it's a, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a complicated journey that I'm on, but I think we all are, you know, maybe I've just spent too much time in tents <laughs> thinking about mine. <laughs> too much time by yourself, Alex Harris. Exactly. <laughs> uh, on, on, how many somebody's uh, what stepped us? What what's apt us? Is that a word? How many riders do the race across South Africa? This two thousand kilometer mountain bike ride. Look, it's about fifty every year. You know, they um, they limited because the, the the farm stations are really not commercial lodges. They, for the most part, farms in in really really remote places. Mm. The capacity of those farms are limited to handle, you know, more than sort of 10, 12 riders a night. So the number's normally around 50, and then they stagger them over about a week. You know, they they send all the slow, all the the, the inexperienced guys off first, right. sort of six, seven, eight, ten a day, and then the foster racing batch goes off last. Um, and that's pretty much how it works every year. You're going to do it again? No. You know, <laughs> I am... Um, Look, I said that we had a new baby in the house. My yes. wife uh, ordered me to get the snip because this is number four. <laughs> and, you know, when you finish the freedom, you get a, a, a really special blanket. I had three of those blankets with three kids. So I had kind of a green card. I need to get another blanket. But I now have four blankets. And there's no question I have to get the snip. And I'm not, uh, yeah, I'm, I don't think I'll ever race it again. I mean, it just takes so much out of you. It's, mm. You know, it's a journey that's, taken a decade of my life to get this right. Uh, I mean, I have fond memories. I have dark memories. It was partly this race that inspired our own race called the Munga, mm. you know, which is becoming a great brand in itself. So the freedom is, you know, it, it holds an indelible and special place in my heart. But I think 
the racing, the sharp end of the freedom for me was, uh, you know, I might, prob- I might be in the twilight of those years. But look, there's also shorter versions of it, like the race to road, which is two days if you're racing. Mm. But let me not go down that path. Yet, <laughs> Alex Harris, great chatting to you again. Thanks very much for joining us. Pleasure, man. Thank you so much. Endurance athlete and adventurer Alex Harris joining us here on SAFM Sport Tracks during that race across South Africa, 2,150 kilometers in nine days and 22 hours. We're going to Loftus in a moment.